Maybe you're in a season of great pain in your life. Pastor Ed Taylor offers this bit of wisdom. Fight the temptation to isolate yourself. Fight the temptation to pull away. And begin to feel sorry for yourself. To be caught in self-pity. These are very real temptations in times of discouragement, in times of sorrow. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Press into him. Weep, yes, but also worship. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You A case can be made that the raising of children is the hardest thing in the world to do. Perhaps that's why it's the most rewarding venture in the world when there's success. It's also the most heart-wrenching when our children turn against us. We've been going through 2 Samuel here on Abounding Grace, and chapters 15 through 18 records the rebellion of David's son, Absalom. Let's see what we can glean from this season in David's life as we turn things over to Pastor Ed Taylor. May the Lord keep us from any type of unforgiveness or unresolved anger or worse yet, bitterness because it won't end well. It won't end well not walking in the forgiveness that the Lord has so freely given us. We begin to think of what God has forgiven us for. We begin to think of what God is forgiving us for. And we begin to think of, man, what's still yet in the future? That God will extend his forgiveness to us by his, the blood of Jesus Christ. And this is just a sad state here. It's a successful coup. And it says, notice verse 13, And a messenger came to David, saying, The hearts of the men of Israel are with Absalom. And so David said to all his servants who were there with him at Jerusalem, Arise and let us flee, or else we shall not escape from Absalom. Make haste to depart, lest he overtake us suddenly and bring disaster upon us, and strike the city with the edge of the sword. And the king's servant said to the king, We are your servants, ready to do whatever my lord the king commands. And then the king went out with all of his household after him. But the king left ten women concubines to keep the house. And the king went out with all the people after him and stopped at the outskirts. Then all the servants passed before him, and all the Cherethites and all the Pelethites and all the Gittites, 600 men who had followed him from Gath, passed before the king. By the way, verse 18 is an encouraging verse because these 600 guys, you remember, are the ones that were all discouraged, all in debt. They, they are the ones that came to him and were looking for a leader. And now here he is many years later and all that he went through and they're still there. They're still with him. And the king, notice verse 19, said to Ittai the Gittite, why are you also going with us? Return and remain with the king for you're a foreigner and also an exile from your own place. In fact, you came only yesterday. Should I make you wander up and down with us today since I go? I know not where. Return and take your brethren back. Mercy and truth be with you. And Ittai answered the king and said, As the Lord lives, and as my lord the king lives, surely in whatever place my lord the king shall be, whether in death or life, 
there also shall your servant be. And so David said to Ittai, go and cross over. Then Ittai the Gittite and all his men and all the little ones who were with him went over. Ittai is a, is a man that is worthy of being emulated. His loyalty and commitment to David is something that's very sweet. He stood by David even if it meant he would lose his own life. Wherever you go, David, I'm with you. I don't care if you don't know where you're going. I just want to go with you. You know, David so often is a type of Jesus Christ in the scriptures. And I believe he becomes a beautiful type of Jesus here. And you and I become, Ittai becomes a type of us. Where, where we, even more so, we know where Jesus has gone. He's gone to the cross. We know that following Jesus means a life of death to self. We know that following Jesus isn't going to end well. It, Jesus said, in this world we have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. And like Ittai, don't our hearts cry out, man, where, whatever, Lord, whatever you have for me, I, I'm going to go wherever you go. I'm, I, I am sticking with you. I, I'm not going to turn my back at the first, time, first sign of, of trial or temptation. Lord, I'm with you all the way. It reminded me of what Ruth experienced in Ruth chapter 1 verse 15 she said look your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods return after your sister-in-law and that's what Naomi said and Ruth said entreat me not to leave you or turn back from following after you for wherever you go I will go and wherever you lodge I will lodge your people shall be my people and your God my God where you die I will die and there I will be buried and the Lord do so to me and more also of anything but death parts you and me. And when she saw that she was determined to go with her, she stopped speaking with her. There is that needed determination in our lives not to forsake the Lord. So much of it is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, but so much of it is your determination and endurance. Paul would tell young Timothy that he needed to learn how to endure hardship. And knowing that hardship is going to try to divide a wedge between you and the Lord. And man, once there's a wedge between you and, you and Jesus, between me and Jesus, then other wedges are going to start coming in with the people in our lives. That our hearts need to be set like Ittai. I don't, I, I don't want to hear that, David. I'm going with you. I'm committed. My life is caught up in you. God had, you could almost say, God, you could almost hear him say, God brought me to you. I'm following you. Also, we see David here, when he hears Absalom's won the hearts of the kingdom, he gathers those close to him and he leaves. He, he doesn't want to make things worse for the people because he could have put on a war and fought his own son. He could have gathered the troops together and put this to an end. But as he assesses this, he decides to spare the destruction of Jerusalem and take it upon himself. Even as Jesus Christ would take upon himself our sins. In order to spare us from separation from God forever, he took the penalty upon himself. Notice verse 24. There was Zadok also, and all the Levites with him, bearing the ark of the covenant of God. And they set down the ark of God, and Abiathar went up until all the people had finished crossing over the city. And the king said to Zadok, carry the ark of God back into the city. If I find favor in the eyes of the Lord, he'll bring me back and show me both it and his inhabitation. Now, mark verse 25 and ask yourself, would you respond the same way? 
Would you respond the same way with everything that's going on with Absalom, with everything that's happening? Wouldn't you think there'd be a little bit in you with all the power that you have and all the, there'd be just a little bit in you to just say, you know what, I'm not going to deal with this nonsense, this childhood nonsense. But that's not what David does. David keeps the city of Jerusalem protected. David keeps his eyes on the Lord. And when everything's out of his control, he trusts the Lord. He keeps his eyes, hey, I'm, whether, if I find favor in the eyes of the Lord and he brings me back, then he brings me back. The Lord will show me. Some of you are in a situation right now and have been where the only choice or only choices are to trust in the Lord or not trust in the Lord. To, to come with David here and I trust God with my life. And the brother's been through a lot. The brother's been through a lot in his short life. He, he, he's been a lot, he's been through a lot when he's running from Saul. Then he's the king on the run and then he's king in the throne. Now, then he, he makes a serious error which seems to be the turning point of his life and then Absalom comes after him and, and here he is at the end of his life going, you know what? Hey, I trust the Lord. Some of you just need to verbalize that. So I just trust the Lord. I trust him with my life. You need to hear it come out of your own mouth. Not, not just receive some Bible study, but you need to hear it come out of your own mouth. I trust the Lord. My life is in his hands. You know, even if you don't verbalize it, it's still true. Your life and mine is in the Lord's hands. We're in the Lord's hands. We belong to him. He loves us. He, he's forgiven us, brought us into relationship. And we, we would do well to trust the Lord. Zadok, David told him to go take the ark back to Jerusalem. The people left behind will need to worship. And then notice in verse 26, if he says thus, I have no delight in you, here I am. Let him do to me as seems good to him. And the king also said to Zadok, the priest, are you not a seer? Return to the city in peace and your two sons with you. Ahimaaz, your son, and Jonathan, the son of Abiathar. See, I will wait in the plains of the wilderness until word comes from you to inform me. Therefore, Zadok and Abiathar carried the ark of God back to Jerusalem, and they remained there. And these men were loyal to David, so coming back to Jerusalem uh, and being in Jerusalem, they'll be able to be there and send back word of the reality of what's going on. So it's not a bad thing, not just for the worship but also practically to have guys in Jerusalem that will give you the right word. You always want to have people around you. They're going to tell you the truth, and these guys are going to be able to share the truth. Verse 30. So David went up by the ascent of the Mount of Olives and wept as he went up. As he had his head covered and went barefoot, and all the people who were with him covered their heads and went up weeping as they went up. Then someone told David, saying, Ahithophel is among the conspirators with Absalom. And David said, Oh Lord, I pray, turn the counsel of Ahithophel into foolishness. That's a great prayer. He's simply asking God, don't use him. Don't use that brother. I love him, but don't let his counsel, don't let his wisdom be used against you, God. I think it's a good prayer. Verse 32. Now it happened when David had come to the top of the mountain, where he worshiped God, that there was Hushai, the archite, coming out to meet him with his robe torn and his dust on his head. And David said to him, If you go on with me, then you'll become a burden to me. But if you return to the city and say to Absalom, I will be your servant, O, o king, just as I have been your father's servant previously, 
So I will now also be your servant, then you may defeat the council of Ahithophel for me. Do you not have Zadok and Abiathar, the priests that are with you? Therefore, it will be that whatever you hear from the king's house, you shall tell Zadok and the Abiathar, the priests. Indeed, they have there with them their two sons, Ahimaaz, Zadok's son, and Jonathan, Abiathar's son, and by them you shall send me everything you hear. So Hushai, David's friend, went into the city, and Absalom came into Jerusalem. The conspiracy has come to pass. And Absalom comes in as David is leaving. I was struck by, as we close, I was struck by these verses in verse 30, where it says, David went up by the ascent of the Mount of Olives and wept as he went up. And as he had his head covered and went barefoot, all the people who were with him covered their heads and went up, weeping as they went up. This is a typical understanding of how you would respond if there's difficulty there. I mean, the reality of having lost everything, your own son turning against you, the people are all upset, and David walking, weeping. I mean, that, when bad things happen, weeping happens. And you don't need to be ashamed of that. The Bible says that Jesus himself wept. You don't need to be embarrassed by expressing your emotions. You don't need to try to hide them or suppress them. The best thing that you can do when you're in a tough situation is express the emotions as unto the Lord. For David, he was weeping. And I know that some listening into me right now, listening into this Bible study, whether you're listening to it live or at some other time, the reality of life has overwhelmed you. And you are, you are dealing with a broken heart in your life. No doubt like David here, broken hearted. I know that many of you can relate to the reality of being up night after night in anguish and weeping. But the Lord is with us. The Lord is with us. Can I get an amen for that? The Lord is with us. The Bible says that he's the God of all comfort who comforts us in all our tribulation. The Lord is with you. He will never fail you. He'll never leave or forsake you. He'll begin to touch. He's a man of sorrows, the Bible says. He's acquainted with grief. No matter what the source is of your sorrow, whether it's this kind of relational thing with somebody else, whether it's the prodigal child in your life or the overwhelming difficulty of living in a in a, in a sin-sick society, a sin-sick world, and, and you're dealing with the reality as a thing. Maybe it's your own sin that you're dealing with the consequences that brings you great pain and great sorrow. You're overwhelmed. The Lord is with us. He's there to bring us comfort and hope and help in the moment. And how quickly, how quickly it's easy to dismiss the comfort of the Lord in the moment by worrying about what tomorrow's going to bring. Yeah, but I just don't see how he's going to do it next week. I just don't see how it's going to come to pass next year. I don't, and, and we forego the present comfort of God by getting involved in things that don't belong to us. The future doesn't belong to us. It belongs to the Lord. What's up around the corner while we have no idea? It could be better. It could be worse. That's not our business. Our business is right here, abiding in the Lord in the moment. 
abiding in his comfort and receiving. Let me show you. Turn over to Isaiah. Would you, Isaiah chapter 61? Isaiah 61. This is a familiar passage you'll recall as Jesus comes into the synagogue. He opens up the scroll and he begins to read this in Luke chapter 4. But here it is in Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He sent me to what? What does your Bible say? Heal the brokenhearted. That's why he's been sent. To heal the brokenhearted. To proclaim liberty to the captives and opening of the prison to those who are bound. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all who mourn. To console those who mourn in Zion. To give them beauty for ashes. The oil of joy for mourning. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. That they may be called trees of righteousness. The planting of the Lord. That he may be glorified. Listen, if you're in this place right now. Whatever the, whatever the reason. You're grieving the loss of a loved one. You've got an Absalom that is coming against you. And you seem to have lost everything. You are in pain over any number of things. Some of the things you're going through, only you and the Lord know. The depth of what's going on in your heart of hearts and in your mind of, you know, the depth of your thinking and just where you are as a, as a believer. Listen, fight the temptation to isolate yourself. Fight the temptation to pull away. And begin to feel sorry for yourself. To be caught in self-pity. These are very real temptations in times of discouragement, in times of sorrow, and in times of gladness. Or sadness, I should say. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Press into him. Weep, yes. But also worship. Now you say, Ed, where do you see that? I see David weeping, but where is he worshiping? Notice with me verse 31. Because as David is leaving and he's weeping and the, the everybody, it's just a, a very sad... I mean, can you imagine thousands of people? Hundreds for sure, but if everyone brought their family with them, maybe a few thousand people heading out of Jerusalem. They're in the... Jerusalem's in their rearview mirror just thinking this isn't the will of God. This can't be. What is going on? And David's going, no, I commit myself to the Lord. And they're weeping and they're crying. And then somebody comes and talks to David and he says, hey, Ahithophel. I mean, you would think bad news after bad news after bad news. You just crush a brother. Because I thought that, 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 that is the tendency. Just boom, boom. I mean, now my best buddy, my best buddy turned on me. But rather than that, look at Dave, what David does. He prays. Worship and weeping can go together. Worship and weeping can go together. David shows us that. He doesn't allow this news of Ahithophel to overwhelm him and crush him like the final blow. He just prays, you know what? He prays against him. He prays against his counsel. He prays that lies and deceit will not continue, especially through Ahithophel. Listen, you may be banished today. 
you may even feel alone. You're listening in on the radio or on, online because you have chosen to be alone. And I commend you for seeking out Bible study and worship, even from a distance. But then I would call you to come back a little bit closer and draw near to the Lord. The Bible says when you and I draw near to the Lord, he draws near to us. When we set our face toward him, it's a lot easier to get to him and the power of his spirit dwelling in us. How many of you come week after week carrying heavy burdens and the Lord meets you? How many of you find yourself in a place where, man, bad news after bad news after bad news, and you may even sense, man, when's it going to end? Well, truly, truly it's going to end when we shed these earthly bodies and we're in the presence of the Lord. That's really when it's going to end. I pray, and I will pray in just a moment, that it ends on a temporary basis for you right now. But the way things are going, as the world is cycling toward the end, our hope and our trust must be in the Lord. He is faithful and reliable. He is the comforter. He is the one that has promised to give you beauty for ashes. And for something to be ashes, it had to have burned up. And that was the residue, just what was left. And God says, I'll take even what is left in your life. What you think would be discarded, what would be thrown away, and what would be thought of loss of what used to exist, I will give you beauty. That, that is the calling of Jesus Christ, Messiah, to give beauty from ashes. Maybe meditating on Isaiah 61 this week will be good for you. Just taking in the beauty of the faithfulness of God. You're listening to Pastor Ed Taylor on Abounding Grace. And Ed, I can't help but think someone listening right now is wrestling with some sort of sorrow or grief like David, perhaps even great loss. In these final moments here on the program, what words of encouragement would you like to leave for them? Well, if you're experiencing uh, significant grief or loss or sorrow today, I want you to be reminded that the Bible tells us and God reveals himself as the God of all comfort and that's not just some Bible verse. It's the truth. God is the God of all comfort. And as you rely upon him today, uh, I know you, you may not even have the strength to pray. You may not even have the desire. You might be angry and upset. You might be crying yourself to sleep and you don't have any more tears. You, you might not want to talk to anyone or go out of the house and you know, unfortunately, those are all normal reactions to great pain and great sorrow. And someone asked me recently, you know, Ed, does the grief ever go away? And I have to tell you, no, it doesn't. But it does lessen. The weight that you're feeling right now does lessen. It does get a little bit lighter and you get enough strength to begin praying and opening your Bible and just reading, letting the Holy, opening yourself up and letting the Holy Spirit minister to you. And, and so I pray that you would open the word today, that you would just say a few words to God in prayer, that you would decide, I mean, you're obviously listening to the radio, so that's a good thing. Um, come back to church and, and let the Holy Spirit comfort you. He is the comforter, the God of all comfort, Jesus. You know, the Trinity is all about, the Godhead uh, is all about comfort. Jesus was a man of suffering, acquainted with grief. And I just want you to know I love you, and I'm sorry you're going through this, um, but God is faithful, and it, it will lessen 
over time, even though you'll feel it until Jesus returns. Today's message is called Absalom's Manipulative Rebellion, and CD copies are available. Just call us at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-304-7223. Sometime today, download the Calvary Aurora and Grace FM Colorado apps and listen and learn to more great Bible teaching wherever you go. Do a search for Calvary Aurora. Just think what would happen if we prayed how Jesus taught us to. No doubt we'd be more bold and persistent. This month, we're pleased to offer you an excellent book written by Manny Mill called Radical Prayer. In it, you'll get a glimpse at the power of prayer according to God's will. And I think you'll be left encouraged to pray more expectantly with persistence and boldness. We'll send this to you with our thanks for a gift of $25 or more. Here at Abounding Grace, we're thankful to the Lord for the opportunity to share the word all over the country. But we can't do it without the support of our listeners. If you'd like to stand with us, please call toll-free at 877-30-GRACE or turn to calvaryaurora.org. So how do you handle criticism when it comes at you? We'll discuss that tomorrow on Abounding Grace when Pastor Ed Taylor returns to 2 Samuel. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Chapel, Aurora.